Adams, Adamley, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Ah, Roger, why let the facts get in the way of a good story? Well, you know, I'm a journalist, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in this day and age. Okay, how about this Um, I wasn't going to go around and bother dogs for the sake of journalism, but, you know. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, and we are in show number three of our extended summer shows, where we are doing interviews with people who have written on or are part of the music industry. Today, we're going to speak with Roger Cormier. He is a writer for a blog that I really like, a website that I really like called Mental Floss. You may have heard of it. Uh, It used to have a, a magazine along with it, but about two months or so ago, they decided to stop putting out the paper magazine and only go online. Well, their pop culture writer is Roger Cormier, and he has a wonderful piece called 11 Facts About Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. This is the 50th anniversary. I've gone out of my way to download the new Sgt. Peppers, the one that's remixed, the one that is no longer mono, it's in stereo. So all the music you're going to hear today is from the new remix of Sgt. Peppers. And we're going to learn a little bit about the album. Once again, Roger Cormier, the 11 facts about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and... Hopefully, you'll learn something new. And now, Roger Cormier. On the phone with me, Roger Cormier, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, the author of a wonderful Mental Floss article called 11 Facts About Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Roger, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Uh, hi, uh, Joe Burns, and uh, you did pronounce my last name correctly, and I assume I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Yeah, so. Burns, it's about as straightforward as you get for all of them. Have you heard the 2017 remixes? I have. I have. I uh, I was waiting for weeks for it, and it, it appeared on my Spotify one morning, like, like magic, and uh, it's pretty interesting. I, I, I like it. There are differences. Do you think it's do you think it's better than the original? Do you think the the concept of remixing it is just I mean is it is it a worthy thing or should the original stand? I think yeah, there's a place for a remix. It was done I believe by Sir George Martin's son. Mm-hmm. Who's a, a, who's also a producer and you know it it was blessed I assume by Paul and and Ringo. You know, you could still listen to the original mixes and the problem with the original mixes there there are still mistakes um in lucy and the sky with diamonds in after the second verse uh i i always remember this like you can hear john uh stop singing 
and then he quickly sings again. And I, and of course, in the 2017 remake, that's edited out. Now, some people like those uh, little mistakes. You know, it makes it seem human. But that was such an obvious production error. Well, what do you think about about that song? Uh, I think I think Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I, I, I'm a purist. I'm kind of of the opinion it should stand. And uh, a lot of the box sets that come out these days are for the fans. They're to resell the album. And uh, I know Sgt. Pepper's is now, thanks to this remix, it's in, it's in stereo. And it sounds much thicker. They've really pushed up the bass. I've listened to it a couple times. And to be honest with you, uh, it's good. It sounds good. It sounds much better on my better stereo system. But uh, between you and me... And uh, everyone who's listening, I would I would still listen to the original over the remixes. You agree or disagree? I have no problem with that. I think you should listen to both, right? <laughs> I think they, they each give a, a little different. I, I, I also, maybe it's just me, and I didn't notice before, but at the end of the Sgt. Pepper's reprise track, I can hear Paul shouting more to the band uh, or and to the audience. Than mm-hmm. in the original, uh, so I I like that I find new things. You know, I've heard it probably listened to it a thousand times in my life, and uh, it's always fun to hear something new. But no, I I think that's fair. I, I, I it's much better than uh, Let It Be Naked. I thought that was that was unnecessary. <laughs> um, I mean, just the, the packaging behind that one, but that was. That was a long time ago. We don't have to say it. That's true. Hey, let's get into your uh, your article here. Once again, let me tell the audience, it's by Roger Cormier, C-O-R-M-I-E-R, and it's the 11 facts about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You say here that, number one, the title came from an airplane salt and pepper packet set. Go ahead, tell us about that. That's hard to say, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, it, uh, in after I think Revolver came out in August 1966. And then after that, the Beatles announced that they weren't going to tour anymore. And all of a sudden, they had all this free time. And uh, Paul and Mal Evans, who was their longtime roadie, and, uh, they they went on vacation together. And then uh, at the end of it, they were on a plane from Kenya back to London, and uh, they were just playing these silly word games. And they had they saw the salt and pepper packet, uh, but they were just marked S and P, and then say salt and say pepper. And and uh, Mal said, "What's that mean? Oh, salt and pepper." And then they were just joking around, and then Paul threw out, ah, that's Sgt. Pepper, you know, because, uh, and then from there, it went off on these, a play on these bands that were popping up, uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company, uh, you know, what well, these like seven word entitled names, these group names, that's, that's where that came from. It's getting better all the time. I used to get mad at my school.
Now, you also state as one of the facts that it was influenced by the Beach Boys' pet sounds, and I think most audiophiles know that. They uh, they know that there was a sort of a fight between Brian Wilson and Paul McCartney, but you also suggest that Frank Zappa was in some way influential in the uh, Sgt. Pepper's album. How so? Frank Zappa, he uh, was... Uh, his band, The Mothers of Invention, they, they had a, a double record out called Freak Out, an exclamation point, which was in June 1966. And that and Zeppa was popular. Uh, eventually, people knew who he was. So while his records you wouldn't call pop necessarily, they were sort of in the mainstream, and at the very least mainstream artists knew about it. And it was the first album where you... Her, like classical music influenced movement. It wouldn't just be, you know, track one, track two. And Paul McCartney heard it, and and you know, supposedly, you know, over time, whether this is fact or a legend gets lost, but Paul uh, supposedly said uh, that Sgt. Pepper was there, was the Beatles' was freak out during the Sgt. Pepper session. So, like that album was probably in their mind. Let me, uh, let me get into another one of these. You make the statement, uh, your number four facts about Sgt. Pepper is that dogs might go nuts if you play them a day in the life all the way through. And again, most audiophiles will jump up and say, okay, I know what you're talking about. But tell people who don't know what, uh, don't know what you mean about dogs going nuts on the song. Uh, I think it depends on what version of the album you have. But uh, there's the 15 kilohertz high frequency tone that plays after the final chord that 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 uh, famous final chord plays and finishes resonating and it's right before you hear John and Paul saying uh like repeating a line over and over again on a loop John and Paul I think they read about dog whistles like the frequencies that only certain animals can hear and uh Lennon it was Lennon's idea <laughs> to put it in there, he thought it'd be funny. That was kind of the humor. In fact, it worked, uh, supposedly. I, I haven't had a dog for a long time, so I never actually had the opportunity to uh, play play one for it. I have two cats, and they've never been bothered by it. You know, <laughs> so. you know what always <laughs> bugged me about that was, I get it, it's a 15 kilohertz tone, but can a record reproduce it? I mean, people say their dogs went nuts, but that could have just been Beatles fans sort of playing the game of I love John Paul George and Ringo. What do you think? Can a record even reproduce that? I don't know. Um, maybe I, I, I'm curious to, to hear if that was a consideration in, in the 2017 remix. But I, I would imagine if, if it is true, you would there would be a bunch of YouTube videos of titled something like Dog Freaking Out or Sgt. Pepper. Um, if it's not true, then, uh, at the very least, John and Paul tried. <laughs> so that's a fact. You know, we, we should get our facts straight here. Um, 
but yeah, and Paul admitted it a couple of years ago. I always took it as fact anyway. Oh, why? And, and they certainly tried. Ah, oh, Roger, why let the facts get in the way of a good story? Well, you know, I'm a journalist, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in this day and age. Okay, how about this um, one? I wasn't going to go around and bother dogs for the sake of journalism, but, you know, <laughs> you make a good point. Yeah, but you get to play Beatles for dogs. Time for our first break, but we'll return to our interview with Roger Cormier and the 11 facts about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band that you gotta know. Back in a minute on Rock School. Let me uh, let me throw one more at you here. You've got eleven of them, and I just want to move through them here. You say Ringo, Ringo Starr. Now he only sings, as far as I know, he only sings on the one song on the album with a little help from my That's friends. Right. And it says mm-hmm. here that there was a lyric that was written for him that he refused to sing. What was the lyric, and why wouldn't he sing it? The lyric was uh, the opening couplet to "Was a little help from my friends." Uh, the what it final version was uh what would you do if i sing out of tune would you stand up and walk out uh, would you stand up and walk out on me uh the original lyric written by john and paul was what would you do if i sing out of tune would you stand up and throw tomatoes at me and uh ringo remembered from years back when they were touring that george harrison made the mistake of admitting to all their fans that they like jelly babies so fans would throw jelly babies on stage, and uh, it would hurt. I mean, one jelly baby, fine, but it was thousands. And uh, Ringo still remembered that. Uh, he might still have scars from it uh, years later. So he said, uh, guys, can you change it? Because uh, even though they already said they were going to stop touring, you know, Ringo was probably thinking with his solo career that he would sing the song that he did not want people to have a chance to throw tomatoes at him. So they changed it, and it's a much better lyric, uh, I, I think. I think they would have changed it anyway. It's, it's much clunkier, and knowing the song, it, it fits with the uh, melody. It does. It fits a little bit better. Plus, on top of that, I mean, that happened already with ZZ Top. I think with uh, the song Just Got Paid, people were throwing nickels, dimes, and quarters at them. 
And they said, look, that, I mean, we like the money, but guys, this hurts. Stop throwing things at us. Yeah, that sounds painful. So I, I don't know. I, I haven't been to a Ringo show. I've been to a Paul show, but a uh, Ringo show, I don't think you get stuff thrown at him. No, no, I don't think so either. What would you think if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song And I'll try not to sing out of key Your, uh, your number eight, 11 facts about Sergeant Pepper, is that she's leaving home, which, by the way, is, I mean, a heartbreaking song, is a real song. It's about a teen who ran away from home and had met the Beatles. Can you give us a little background on that? Right. Well, uh, Paul never, I don't think, ever said the name of the 17-year-old girl. Like He, he, he always said he read it in the newspaper about a 17-year-old who ran away from home. And uh, she was found, she came back home 10 days later in in real life. Her name is Melanie Cole. And the thing, the the crazy thing, you know, life uh, has these fun, uh, you know, uh, things there, these these fun coincidences. Paul met Melanie Cole four years earlier on Ready, Steady, Go. He was judging a dancing contest, and, and she won. And uh, there's a YouTube clip that, that that proves this. There's no way Paul ever could have known that. I'm sure he knows now. But that's that's just a one of those uh, of life's crazy coincidences. Wednesday morning at five o'clock as the day begins. Silently closing her bedroom door Liz She's leaving home Bye-bye The song being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, a lot of people know already that the the lyrics almost all came from a swap shop purchase of a poster um, from years and years and years and years ago that uh, that John Lennon picked up. However, what they probably don't know is in the in the song where they talk about Pablo Frankie's fair, F R A N Q U E, Pablo Frankie's fair. There's uh, a little bit of history about Pablo Frankie that doesn't come out in the song. What is that all about? Uh, Pablo Frank, uh, he was the first uh, African-American uh, no, circus owner uh, in Great Britain. John did not know. He, he literally just saw this, this poster for being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, uh, which is from 1843. He was in Kent. Uh, shooting the strawberry fields forever, what we would now call a music video. I it was a promotional film, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Frank, he, uh, he was, uh, it was historic and, uh, went in again, the crazy little thing with life had no idea. And I'm sure he, he really was happy when he found out, if he ever found out. <laughs> 
the benefit of Mr. Kite, there will be a show tonight on trampoline. Tell me about the front cover. Your number 10 is that Adolf Hitler is on the front cover. Now, as soon as I read this, I went and got my vinyl copy. I have a true vinyl copy of it. And I looked and looked and looked and could not find Adolf Hitler on the front cover of Sgt. Pepper's. So tell me where he is. I, I, I really hope nobody uh, saw you do this and asked what you were doing. <laughs> uh, that would have been a little backstory there. Uh, John Lennon, uh, rap scallion he is. He asked for Jesus Christ, Mahatma Gandhi, and Adolf Hitler to appear on the cover with the, with the other celebrities, on the celebrities, famous people or infamous people on uh, Sergeant Pepper. The Gandhi request, I think, came from uh, in the past, they wanted to do something with Gandhi, and EMI said no, because uh, in India, I think, they they, they were worried uh, so it would take offense. The thing was, with Hitler, I believe Peter Blake, who co-created the, uh, the cover and the back cover with Jen Hayworth, it's in the outtakes where you could see in the back that the the Hitler one was the Hitler cutout was made, it was produced, and Peter Blake claims that he they hid it in the back. Like it like in the vinyl of what you're saying, they show it from the back and you didn't see the back of Hitler. That's what you were you were saying. Mm-hmm. So you well, s- you think he's on there but hidden? You know, it's a lovely story. I don't see why Peter Blake in two thousand seven would admit it when it wasn't true. It's not like people now are going to care about Sergeant Pepper. You know, this was in the 40th anniversary. I'm sure there's no reason why he would make make it up. I don't know if it ruins it for some people. If you're defended by it, then, I, then you know what? He's not on there. And uh, <laughs> if you're not, and you think it's interesting, then he is. That's how I, I choose to see it. I'm just... I just reported what Peter Blake told the Independent in 2007, that he was there. He said that he he was covered up in the final shot. So the, uh, the, the four guys, as you look at the front cover, the four guys who are dressed in the silks, the multicolored silks, those are the real Beatles, maybe, or their cardboard cutouts, because there's also a set of Beatles off to, the I think, the left, where Ringo Starr is being consoled. You th- you think that Hitler is back behind the the Beatles in the silks, and thus he's on the album? Uh, I'll I'll go on record and guess that yes, but I'm I'm not saying one hundred percent one way or the other. Now again, why let the facts get in the way of a good story? We need to take our second break here on the radio show, but we'll return to Roger Cormier and the 11 facts that you probably don't know about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band on Rock School.
let's talk about your last one here. The Beatles Please. were banned on the BBC. Now, a lot of people know that they that the BBC, or what they call in uh, the UK anti, uh, anti-Beeb, uh, goes out of its way to ban songs that have commercial products in them, that have bad content in them. However, A Day in the Life, which is really, in my opinion, Sgt. Pepper's rolled into one song, was banned on the British Broadcasting Corporation. Why'd they ban it? Well, uh, the the official uh, quote from that was it, it, it exhibited a permissive attitude toward drug taking. They, uh, Paul, when Paul sang that, he that he found his way upstairs and had a smoke. They assumed it was about pot or some drug that he was getting high on the way upstairs. And John Lennon's line about 4,000 holes in Blackburn, Lancashire, that might be a heroin reference if you were looking for it. And oh. uh, you're right, the BBC... <laughs> Come on! Oh, you, I know. <laughs> uh, they, they, banned, uh, they banned, with a little help from my friends and boosting the sky with, with diamonds, um, in uh, South Asia, Malaysia, and Hong Kong when it was first released. Can you imagine that? All those three songs are not on... A version of Sgt. Pepper, but that that was the case back in 1967. Of course, now they, A Day in the Life, I'm sure, plays on BBC radio. But, you know, back then they were uh, pretty conservative with that, which was uh, why pirate radio back then was so important, and the, the Beatles, which the Beatles endorsed. Well, I, and that drives me crazy because it's it's obvious that 4,000 4, holes in Blackburn, Lancashire, Came from a tell or a, pardon me a newspaper article, and I'm mm-hmm. sure they told that to the BBC and found my way upstairs and had a smoke. The Beatles all four smoked. That doesn't make any that sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know, uh, but like you said, they were pretty conservative. They like anything that remotely, and I'm sure there were songs that were blatant about drugs uh, to uh, teenagers and young folks that the BBC missed entirely. Now, it, that stuff drives you crazy. I mean, that doesn't happen as often now because you have the, so many options these days. But back then, you know, the BBC had a lot of control. So, yeah, I'm sure it was frustrating. Oh, I'm um, positive. But, yeah, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was about a... a a drawing that his son made, right. Julian Lennon made. But the thing about it is, you know, the song "Got to Get You Into My Life," which obviously isn't on Sgt. Pepper's, but "Got to Get Into My Got to Get You Into My Life." That's that is a drug reference. It's straightforward mm-hmm. singing about marijuana. But they played that exactly. That's a great point. But uh, you know, you mentioned Lucy Scarlet Diamonds. The, the initial LSD. And what you said is true. John is John always pointed that it was from uh, a picture, a title of a picture his son drew of his classmate Lucy. But uh, do do you think that it's definitely not about LSD, Lucy? No, I, I no, I don't think it's about <laughs> LSD because they so blatantly in other songs mm-hmm. talked about drugs. I mean, happiness is a warm gun is about as straightforward a heroin song as you can get to. But that was uh, from the magazine uh, um, advertisement, according to John. But, you know, I, I, I agree that it, it's probably about drugs, too. But it's, it's funny that they get these from newspapers and magazines. 
And that's and that's what's funny because they did it here in the United States as well. The FCC in the 1970s made the statement that if you're playing songs about drugs, we'll take away your license. That that amazes me. That amazes me that governmental agencies will step up and and try to stop us from listening to a song, even though what they think it means is not even close to what it means. Don't ask the artist. Just go ahead and tell us what you think it means. Hey, Roger, Roger Cormier, once again, let me tell him the name of the uh, the article, 11 Facts About Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You'll find it on the Mental Floss website. You know, Roger, I used to subscribe to Mental Floss when it was still the paper magazine. I was really sad when they decided to go completely online. Uh, that wasn't my decision. Oh, no, I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah, but if you uh, if you look up Roger and you uh, go to that go to that uh, article, the eleven facts about Sergeant Peppers, you can click on his name and you'll get all the other stuff that he's written, and a lot of it is fantastic. Roger, thank you for speaking with us. I appreciate it. Thank you for for having me. Sure, I may call on you again because I thought some of your other. Uh, commentaries were really fantastic so uh be uh, be careful that the phone might ring again from me all right i'll i'll try not to be driving down the pacific coast highway heck heck of an idea roger thank you so much thank you